Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the 59th Minute FPL Podcast, which is brought to you by Fantasy Football Scout. I'm Mark McGettigan, you'll find me on social media at FPL General. Happy New Year to you all, I hope 2024 is filled with green arrows and mini league victories come May. Hopefully I can help you achieve those goals between now and then. After a hectic schedule in December, which had seven FPL deadlines, it's a much quieter January with just two deadlines, the first of which is this Friday for Gimme 21. It was originally supposed to be a Saturday deadline this week. It's now been changed to Friday because the Burnley-Luton game has been brought forward, so don't get caught out by that very late deadline change. This next game week is spread across two weekends, which is also not ideal. The Game Week 22 deadline is not until Tuesday, January 30th. So not too many decisions to be made in the month of January. In today's episode, the run and order will be a quick review of how the wildcard performed in its first game week. A new watch list has been drawn up for the next part of the season. Some team and player stats from the month of December. Listener questions, captaincy and potential transfers for the weekend. There will be another episode on Friday, so make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening for that one. Quick review of how the wildcard performed in game week 20. Finished on 86 points, which was enough for a green arrow, a small one, from 70k to 65k. Now, those of us who've been playing FPL for a very long time, it's a very common occurrence to get a big fat red arrow the week after a wildcard. When you lose, your performing players and the new troops don't hit the ground running. So it's very satisfying to get a green arrow albeit a small one in the first week with the new team. So just to talk through some of the decisions, some of them are obviously self-explanatory. Trent came in for a zero-pointer, but obviously a good long-term pick. Poro stayed. The decision I had to make was I wanted to keep a piece of the Arsenal defence, and I lost Gabriel, went for David Raya instead, because that opened the door for me to get a more exciting defender than Gabriel. So Stupinen came in, got the six-pointer, scored in the cup midweek as well. So I'm hoping as other people sell the likes of Son, Salah, Huang and Kudus in these guys, they might not be able to get to a Stupinen for a free transfer. So I'm hoping he might be a bit of a differential over the next couple of game weeks. David Raya, obviously disappointed, but hopefully he can be a good long-term pick as well. I put Ariola on the bench instead of Turner, just in case Ramsdale gets his place back at some point. But more so, David Raya, when Arsenal play Brentford, I think it's game 28. David Raya won't be able to play in that game. And Ariola has a good fixture. I think it's at home to Burnley that week. Ariola looking at me from the bench, as he has many teams with 11 points. In midfield, Saka stayed. Jared Bone came in. 
injury doubt now seemed to take a heavy knock in the FA Cup game. Hopefully he's okay for game week 21. Kept Salah. One of the big decisions for me was go for Phil Foden or keep Salah. And I decided to keep Salah and I gave him the armband, which worked out very nicely for 32 points. And it could end up being a Salah to Foden switch for game week 21. And we'll talk about transfers later. It's probably going to be a Salah seal, but there is quite a few options to choose from. Palmer stayed for his 18-pointer. Alvarez got 7. Watkins with 8. So those two also stayed. And Solanke also survived. So it didn't make a huge amount of changes on the wild card. More so the bench. Garnacho first sub with 4 points. Gusto stayed, who I've had since game week 3 or 4. And Bell came in from Luton, just as a 3.9 15th man. Luton will have a double game week at some point. But I wanted to be very careful with the money I spent on the fringe players in the squad because Haaland needs to come back in soon. And when Salah's back and Son are back, every penny will be important. So that's why I went for the likes of Gusto, Amari Bell and Garnacho on the bench rather than spending extra. Areola as well. I could have went a bit more expensive in that position, maybe rotate goalkeepers. But thinking long term, this team structure should serve me well and it should make it a lot easier to get the big boys back when they are available. So good to get the green arrow. Hopefully this team can kick on now over the next few weeks. In terms of the 59th minute club, it's been very, very quiet recently. I've been keeping a close eye on all matches. In the last three game weeks, there has been no new members joining the club. There's been quite a few 58s and a few 60s, but no 59s in the last couple of weeks. So hopefully January and February will see us getting a few new additions, and we're always on the lookout for a player who can get the hat-trick of 59th-minute appearances to join. I think Luka Milivojevic from Crystal Palace is the only player who's done that since I've started keeping these records. So on to the watch list ahead of Gimme 21. As I've just wildcarded, the... Wildcard watch list got completely wiped and a new watch list was created for the next couple of game weeks. So defenders, first of all, I think this is just in order of price. Kyle Walker gave him a lot of consideration on the wildcard, as I did Ederson. But in the end, I decided didn't want Manchester City defensive coverage. The main reason was I kept Alvarez, Foden might come in for Salah. And I wanted to leave the door open to get Haaland back for a Watkins or a Solanke instead of selling Alvarez. For example, if Manchester City get this double game week soon, I might want to go triple attack. And if I had Walker, that would have blocked off that opportunity. So that's the reason why Walker didn't make it. But I still think he's a good FPL pick and he's on the watch list if I need him soon. Also, Esri Konsa on the watch list. I was close to picking an Aston Villa defender. They had very good fixtures when I was building the wildcard squad, but they just didn't make the cut. I looked at Martinez as well as the goalkeeper. So because I don't have any, I want to keep Konsa on the watch list as a possible transfer in. Doughty from Luton. Uh, having a very impressive season, looks good in open play, passes the eye test, takes lots of set pieces, had a goal ruled out recently, was on the score sheet as well, lots of assists, so he's, a, he's I think he's only 4.4, possibly 4.5 now, he's another player that was quite close to making it into the squad in game week 20, so he's on the watch list as another cheap defensive option with attack and potential, and of course Luton will have a double game week at some point, I think Doughty will be very popular 
when Luton do get that double game week announced. Final defender on the watch list for now is Branthwaite at Everton. It was him or Gusto on the wild cards. Gusto made it, so Branthwaite is on the watch list if I ever need to make a switch for a very cheap nailed-on defender from a team like Everton who have good underlying numbers so far this season. On to the midfielders on the new watch list. This is the most interesting part because a lot of us are looking to sell a Salah. Some are selling Son this week, among others. Who are the best replacements? So again, this is just an order of price rather than preference. The first name on the list is Arsenal's Martin Odegaard. I own Saka. And given that Saka is very highly owned, and I think that's just going to increase now, as people look to offload Salah and Son, a lot of people will go straight to Saka if they don't really have him. So I do like the idea of you know benefiting from the Arsenal attack more so by having two of them rather than just Saka. So Odegaard is very much in my thoughts. Before game week 20 happened, I was very much thinking it'll be Salah to Odegaard or Foden this week. So I think those two are still the front runners for me. But quite a few others put their hand up again and gave me 20. So Odegaard and Foden are both on the watch list. Arsenal are stuttering a bit in attack, which gives me slight pause. But every time I watch them, Odegaard's very central. He's very close to FPL points, so could explode soon. But then you've got Foden, who's just absolutely on it at the moment. I think he scored another two goals in the cup midweek as well or over the weekend so very hard to ignore Foden at the minute yes there's a lot of players coming back soon players like Kevin De Bruyne and Doku but I just think Foden's playing so well that he probably stays in the team for the foreseeable future so at the time of recording Monday morning Foden is probably winning the race to be my salary replacement over Odegaard but Odegaard is very much in the thinking as maybe a safer longer term pick Foden could be more short term and then you've got the other option so elsewhere Rashford added to the watch list after his goal but I've got Garnacho, so I don't really see myself going for Rashford but I don't want to completely ignore him Jota from Liverpool could be a straight Liverpool like for like replacements but I've got slight concerns over Jota's minutes didn't start the FA Cup game and again that just kind of reminded me that he probably won't start every game. Klopp still has plenty of options in attack, even without Salah. So for that reason, Jota doesn't really suit my style of management. Bit of a risk, so I probably will end up swerving that one. Richarlison is an option at Tottenham. Again, he was strongly considered on the wild card, but didn't make the cut. Maybe if I went 3-5-2 instead of 3-4-3, Richarlison might have been in there instead of Solanke, for example. So another goal for Richarlison. Looks pretty secure in the team while Heungman's son is away. So again, he's right up there as a possible replacement. But I do have him slightly behind Odegaard and Foden in my thinking at the moment. Elsewhere, then, you're getting into the cheaper options. Eberechi Eze at Crystal Palace. I was eyeing up Alisi as well, but Alisi's picked up an injury. That probably means Eze's secure on penalties now for a while. Just such a good player. Brought him in a couple of weeks ago, that game where he he got about 29 minutes and he went off injured. So slightly scarred by that one, but always open to come back to Eze because I rate him very highly. You've got Neto at Wolves, who's just coming back from injury. They've been very careful with him in terms of easing him back in, which is good. Hopefully that means he will stay fit for the rest of the season. 
Neto could step up while Huang is away, probably gets penalties. You've got Douglas Louise, who's having a fantastic fantasy season, lots of rich to points, playing for a very good team. Could this be an opportunity just to go straight to Douglas Louise from a Salah? But again, cash is not really needed, so I'd rather spend on a Foden or an Odegaard, just feels a bit more exciting. And then you've got Alanga at Nottingham Forest, who's been very impressive recently as well. I looked at him briefly in the Garnacho position when I was wildcarding, but he didn't make it. He's also got a yellow flag at the moment, so that's one to keep an eye on. So, in summary, lots of options for Salah and Son replacements, but I'm leaning towards Foden, probably number one, and I'd probably still put Odegaard number two. But we know in FPL, a week is a long time, and we'll see if my order has changed when we get to Friday's episode. Forwards on the watch list, the obvious one is Erling Haaland's not involved in the FA Cup. To me, that means doubtful again for the next game week. When I wildcarded, I kind of committed to not getting Haaland back anyway until game week 22 because I didn't leave 7 or 8 million in the bank. I kept Salah. The plan was always sell Salah game week 21. That frees up the cash in for Haaland in game week 22. So I'm obviously as a non-owner for game week 21, I'm hoping that he doesn't play or maybe gets a cameo one-pointer and then I can bring him back in for captaincy in game week 22. Other forwards on the watch list, Ivan Tony, who is finally clear of his red flag. He's available for the next game week. He's, I think he is expensive, though. He's about 8 million in FPL. 20 league goals, if I remember correctly, last season. The Forgotten Man. And I remember listening to him on a podcast a couple of months ago. I think it was the Diary of a CEO podcast with Stephen Bartlett. And something stuck out to me in that one. He just basically said, when I'm back, you're going to see a hungrier Ivan Tony, so he's got a point to prove and I think there'll be plenty of goals when he's back in that Brentford team, so again big differential option his ownership was obviously extremely low because he was banned, so if you go there straight away for the Nottingham Forest fixture you could end up being rewarded, but very luxurious transfer that when most people are using their free transfers in midfield, in Kunku watch listed as well but has picked up an injury, I think I seen yesterday he's going to be out for about 3 weeks that's probably only one FPL game week though, so could be an option for game week 22. Darwin Nunes, always on the watch list, always looks good, rarely scores, always has good numbers, always will be in consideration for me when I'm making a forward transfer. But at the moment, Watkins, Alvarez, Solanke, happy with those three. One of them will go for Haaland, so it's probably going to be a a wee while before I own Darwin and it might not be until a double game week for Liverpool. So that's what the watch list is looking like. I will update it each week for the rest of the season. Time for some numbers now from the Fantasy Football Scout members area. Usually in this section of the podcast I pull out a few stats from the most recent game week but I thought it would be more useful this time to look at the December period which was game week 14 to game week 20 to see what the numbers look like so team stats first of all over that period Liverpool were top for XG with 17.45 while Manchester City were down in 7th for XG with 11.24 so the Liverpool attack certainly ticking along it'll be interesting to see what impact no Salah has on that Newcastle, surprisingly, 
bottom of the chart for expected goals conceded with a figure of 20.00. So the Newcastle defence fallen off a cliff completely in December. Another team that did not have good underlying defensive numbers during that month were Tottenham. So Newcastle were 20th and Tottenham were 19th. Tottenham with an expected goals conceded figure of 14.88. So not great reading if you're a Pedro Porro owner. But as the famous line goes, we don't own Pedro Porro for clean sheets. Another goal for him in the cup as well. Elsewhere, the top four teams for expected goals conceded. So the best defensive underlying numbers from Game Week 14 to Game Week 20. In this order, Arsenal number one. Manchester City number two, Bournemouth number three, very impressive, and Liverpool number four. So in particular, Arsenal, Manchester City and Liverpool offering good underlying defensive numbers. And the cheap Bournemouth guys are there as well, especially when they have a double game week soon at some point as well. On to the player stats over this period as well. Trent Alexander-Arnold, most chances created among defenders with 30. Poro and Trippier both created 17 and Doughty at Luton, nine chances created. Pedro Porro had the most goal attempts among defenders with 16. Trent on 14 and Van Dijk had 11. While when it comes to expected goal involvement, the top three for defenders, Trent number one, Porro number two and Trippier number three. So the usual suspects still there. On to the midfielders, the player the midfielder who created the most chances in December was Odegaard with 28 so that's something I like to see as someone who I might bring in Pascal Gross is second with 24 very impressive numbers there Saka created 18 and Foden 14 so Odegaard created double the amount of chances over Foden in that period but of course Foden has been performing quite well in terms of scoring goals Goal attempts for midfielders, Saka and Salah come out on top with 27. Garnacho with an impressive 25. Pascal Gross shows up here again, 20 goal attempts. So Gross is second for chances created and fourth for goal attempts from 14 to 20. Cole Palmer, 19 goal attempts. Richarlison, first among midfielders for big chances. The Brazilian had seven. Richarlison and Garnacho are both in the top five for XG, along with Saka and Salah. And Odegaard is ranked sixth for expected goal involvement, while Foden is ranked 13th. So Odegaard sixth, Foden 13th. Again, that has me swaying back towards Odegaard. More chances created, higher for expected goal involvement. But Foden's actually doing the business and probably playing for a better team at the moment as well. So it's not a straightforward decision for me on Odegaard versus Foden this week. A few numbers from the forward section. Julian Alvarez, as he often is, the top chance creator with 14. Darwin Nunes with a respectable 11. So it's not just goals with Darwin. Well, not that there is many goals, but chances of goals. He also has good assist potential as well. Dominic Solanke shows up in a lot of metrics. Comes out first for goal attempts with 29. 27 of those were from inside the box. 
Joe Pedro at Brighton is second for goal attempts with 21, 19 of which from inside the box. Solanke's also first for big chances with eight. Darwin and Isak had seven big chances each. And Julian Alvarez is second for expected goal involvement among forwards behind Dominic Solanke in first. So a few numbers there which might help you with your decisions over the next week or two. Before I get stuck into the listener questions, a quick plug for my Patreon. FPL content creation is my full-time job. If you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to support it and me, check out patreon.com forward slash FPL general or just Google FPL general Patreon and you'll find it. You'll get iTest podcasts, Thursday night live streams, weekly Q&As, team reveals and much more. On to the questions. Thank you to everyone who posted them on Twitter. First one from FPL Just Brill. For Son and Salah owners who have one free transfer, is it worth it to take a minus four and sell both of them? Or would you bench one of them this week and sell one and then sell the other one for free ahead of Gimme 22? So again, the way I play FPL, I try to take as few points hits as possible. I've only taken two so far this season, which is pretty on par for me. I kind of have a loose target of aim for a maximum of minus 20 over the course of the season and I don't include blank and double gimmicks in that so if I was in the scenario of owning Son and Salah I would probably just sell one of them and it's probably Salah just to free up as much cash as possible bench Son as long as you've got a decent you know 12th player that you can actually start this week with a good fixture if you don't if you've got an extremely weak bench then you can obviously make a stronger argument we're taking a minus four for a player who could pay you back and more over the course of three or four weeks while those guys are gone so for me it would probably be sell Salah Ben Sun and then sell Sun ahead of give me 22 question from Chris Sparrow is benching and not selling Salah and or Sun an option so good question can managers in particular who own both players can you just sell one of them I, I certainly don't think you can keep both players on your bench because there's too much cash involved there. And you're, the way I think of it is if you have Salah and Son on your bench, your starting 11 for the next three or four game weeks is going to be worth a lot less than your opponents or those in your mini leagues. So I think you need to sell at least one of them. There's probably a case to be made maybe for keeping Son as the cheaper option. But then it's a case of even though we're selling Son or we lost him on a wild card, some of us, are we definitely going to want him back? I feel like there's more chance we're going to want Salah back. Liverpool Liverpool are going to have a double game week. So when it comes down to it, I think you just lose both because you want as much money on the pitch. You want your team to be optimal as it can be for the next three or four weeks while those guys are gone. And we have free transfers. You can always get them back in. And like I said, things change very quickly in FPL. It might get to a point where we don't want Sun back or we don't need Sun back. And the same goes for Salah. You know, let's say one of those guys picks up an injury while they're away. It's going to make the FPL landscape very different. So I would be advising selling both players, getting that money on the pitch, and then just use your transfers later to get them back. Even if it's a minus four later, get the points on the board beforehand and get your team set up as well as it can be for the next few weeks. Question from Lee Staunton. 
I have three red flags and four yellow flags and only one free transfer. Should I wildcard? So the second wildcard is now available. Give me 21 is the first week when where you can use that first wildcard. Usually I would be saying keep that for later. Keep it to help navigate with double game weeks and blank game weeks later in the season. Usually more effective then. But obviously there's always cases where some teams might actually need a, an early second wildcard. And certainly if you've got three red flags, four yellows, and only one free transfer, if you've still got all those flags come Friday, especially the yellow ones, then there could be a case for wildcard. And obviously difficult to answer it without seeing the team in front of me. But don't rule out an early wildcard if your team needs it. If you feel like you're going to struggle for five, six, seven game weeks without wildcarding, maybe you just go ahead and do it and, and get yourself where you want to be and just get through the doubles and blanks with free transfers. There's no right or wrong strategy here. Do what is right for your team. Question from X Timer. If Haaland is back, would you take a minus four slash minus eight to get him back or wait with Alvarez in the squad for one more week? So this is my plan and still is my plan. Even if we get news that Erling Haaland is back and he's going to start, I don't think I will be taking a minus four to bring him back in unless I really, really want to captain him and we get a really good team leak. On Friday, obviously more difficult to get a team leak now because the deadline's Friday, not Saturday. If it was Saturday, we would have had a bit more time to get some Manchester City team news. But at the moment, I still feel like even if we do get news that he starts, which is probably unlikely at this stage, then my plan was always keep Alvarez for one more week. In any one game week, you never know. Alvarez could outscore Haaland anyway. So when it's a minus four involved, I think it makes more sense to keep Alvarez for a Newcastle game. He's scoring goals these days anyway, and then get Haaland back for free the week after. Or even if it meant to get Haaland in game week 21 as a minus eight, maybe you wait until game week 22, then it's only a minus four. So I am not planning to take a hit to get Haaland back, even if I find out he's starting. The only caveat there is, if I am not confident in any of my other captains and if we get definite news that Haaland's going to play against Newcastle, then maybe, just maybe, a minus four for captaincy. But otherwise, I think I'll be waiting until game me 22 for the Norwegian. Quite a lengthy post here from the local Stigmatic, but I think it's a good one. Lots of managers tipping Jota as a differential pick to step into Salah's boots as Liverpool's main goal-scoring threat during AFCON. He certainly passes the eye test, given his tail cameo versus Newcastle, and regular Liverpool match scores will reassure you that it is Jota who is Klopp's preferred starter at right wing in Salah's absence. But given Jota went 32 games without a goal until the tail end of last season, are our eyes deceiving us over cold, hard data? The kind of which the much cheaper Pedro Neto, for example, has in spades. So I very much kind of fall on the same side as the stigmatic here that I don't rate Jota that highly as an FPL option over the seasons. Minutes have always been an issue at Liverpool. Even when he does start, it could be 60 or 70 minutes. And I don't think he's guaranteed to start, you know, in Salah's position. You've got Harvey Elliott who could play there. There's other options as well for Klopp. So I, he's probably third or fourth on my list. I don't mind him as a differential, but when you throw in the word differential, you know, give me an Odegaard instead, who I know is going to play 90 minutes in every game, 
plenty of routes to points. And, and the way Foden's playing at the moment as well, I think he's a better option than Jota. It could pay off, but I am much lower on Jota than other managers are. And I probably would buy a, a Neto instead or an Eze. You know, a talisman for a team, again, comes down to minutes for me. And I'm not confident that Jot is going to get a huge amount. I still probably prefer Darwin as a Liverpool attacking option. But because I'm happy with my strikers, I'm probably not going to end up there. Doesn't feel fantastic just having Trent from Liverpool while Salah is gone because they're one of the best teams in the league at the moment. But I think that's where I am going to end up. Question from Sami Fila. Expecting Werner's loan to Tottenham. Do you think it will affect Richarlison's minutes? Was thinking about Richarlison as my Salah replacement. Yeah, it looks like Timo Werner is going to join Tottenham, which is an interesting move. Second time in the Premier League as his, after his disastrous time at Chelsea. So, do I think that will affect Richarlison? I don't. I don't. While Son's gone, I think Richarlison's pretty secure as the central striker. So, I think if you were planning to get Richarlison for Salah. I wouldn't let the Timo Werner news impact that decision. I think Timo Werner is probably much more likely to play on the wings as he is to play through the middle. So at the moment, Richardson scoring goals. He's doing nothing wrong. I think he's fine as a short-term punt while Son is away. Maybe it gets a bit trickier when Son is back. But for now, I still think Richardson is a very good Salah or Son replacement. Question from FPL Himbo. Who's more essential to get in this week? Is Stupinan or Poro. This question probably came in after both players scored in the FA Cup. I think Matty Cash was also on the score sheet. Lots of FPL defenders scoring their goals in the cup competitions, which is always frustrating when they're in your FPL team. So who's more essential, Ostupin or Poro? I, I think both players are great, obviously, because they're both in my team, both wildcard picks. The fixture side of things, Brighton have excellent fixtures for the next five or six, maybe even longer. Estupinen, obviously, a very attacking fullback, but I still think with Poro, even though the fixtures are not as good, the routes to points are better. You know, he's taking corners and stuff like that, takes some direct free kicks as well. I think I still just about lean towards Poro over Estupinen, but if you can get to both players in the next couple of weeks, that's probably a good idea. Question from Andy Mack. Is Pascal Gross the best mid-priced replacement for Salah or Son given Brighton's fixtures? The short answer to this could be yes. And Pascal Gross is a player that I'm possibly overlooking. He's not on the watch list. Joe Pedro's not on my watch list either and he probably also should be. I think I've kind of fallen into the trap of first half of the season... It was very easy to avoid Brighton with all the rotation and the European games. That will calm down a bit now with Europe not kicking in for a wee while. I think it's February time it usually comes back. Pascal Gross is the kind of rotation-proof pick in the Brighton attack. So he's always been a decent FPL prospect. He performs very well in the bonus when he gets attacking returns. I think he actually got a bonus point this season without any attacking returns. Maybe that was last season, but it shows you what he's capable of for those extra points. So Pascal Gross probably should be on my watch list if he performs well again in Game Week 21. He'll probably be on it for Game Week 22. And I think he arguably is one of the best mid-priced options for Salah or Son. Would be nicer if he was on penalties. Joe Pedro takes those. Again, another notch for Joe Pedro, who should be on the watch list as well. But certainly, I wouldn't stop anyone from buying Pascal Gross as a set-and-forget while the Brighton fixtures are good. 
and you shouldn't have to worry too much about his minutes. Final question from FPL Tom. At what point do we start considering Ivan Tony again with both Wissa and Mbumo unavailable? Is there a chance Tony will come back into the fold for the Nottingham Forest fixture? I think Tony starts that fixture, especially that Wissa's gone and Mbumo is injured. Nottingham Forest at home is a pretty nice one to come back to. The problem with Tony is the fixtures after that are tricky. It's Nottingham Forest, but then it's Tottenham, Man City, Wolves and Liverpool. You know, four performing sides, sides that are performing very well this season and Forest have the new manager bounce as well so maybe that's not even a very good fixture and we know Brentford have been poor recently but having Tony back as the focal point can only improve things, excellent penalty taker as well, doesn't miss many, don't know if he's ever missed, uh, maybe one or two but it's certainly not many so Ivan Tony, I really do like him as a differential regardless of the fixtures. Moving on to captaincy and transfers now for Game Week 21. Captaincy is wide open again. We've no Salah or Son to choose from. Looks like we may not have a Haaland to choose from either, or we may not know if he's going to start or not, and it's not the easiest fixture away to Newcastle anyway, although maybe now it is, considering those numbers we mentioned earlier. If Haaland is out, does that make Alvarez and Foden captaincy options? I think it certainly does. Elsewhere... Palmer off the back of his 18-pointer, a home fixture against Fulham. That feels like a pretty good place to go for the captain's armband this week. Elsewhere, Saka and Odegaard are options at home to Crystal Palace. I was looking at Jared Bowen away to Sheffield United, but that injury obviously gives me pause there. Elsewhere, Liverpool play Bournemouth away. Darwin, Trent and Jota are options. Solanke is even an option in that fixture. You've got Watkins away to Everton. And you've got Ivan Tony at home to Nottingham Forest. So we'll come back to captaincy on Friday's episode. But at the moment, I think in my current team, it will be either Palmer at home to Fulham or it will be Saka at home to Crystal Palace. Now, whether I buy Foden or Odegaard or someone else, those guys could become captaincy candidates as well. For example, if I bring in Phil Foden, I'll be very tempted to give him the armbands. And even if I bring in Odegaard, I think Saka would still get the armband over him. So it's either the Chelsea, it's probably going to be a Chelsea captain or an Arsenal captain for me this game week. The current bus team is Raya in goal, Trent, Poro, Estupinen, Saka, Salah, who I need to get rid of, Palmer, Bowen, Solanke, Watkins, and Alvarez. I say I need to get Salah. I could obviously just bench him too. I could roll a transfer. I could play a Garnacho or a Gusto or something like that, but I'm probably just going to free up the cash because I want to get Haaland back the week after. On the bench, it's Ariola, Garnacho, Gusto and Bell. Transfer thoughts, sell Salah to free up funds for Haaland in 22. For the Burnley fixture, I've got 3.9 in the bank at the moment, so don't have enough for a straight swap to Haaland, so that's the idea of selling Salah. Odegaard and Foden, the main candidates. Richardson and Jota are tempting too, among others. So we'll come back to transfers and captaincy on the Friday episode. Thank you for taking the time to listen, folks. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you again after the pressers. If you're not interested in the Patreon stuff, you can also support me by simply buying me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash FPL General. Any support there is greatly appreciated. Anyone who does buy me a coffee gets sent an invite to join my FPL Discord server. Talk to you soon, folks. 
Social Podcast Network.